0: Thank you, the Lord bless you as you're seated, it's been a, it's a great joy to be with you, and uh, it's a wonderful privilege to meet your pastor, Pastor Carl and Kanani on uh, Wednesday night, I think it was, for, for dinner, and uh, uh, I, I knew at that moment that it was going to be a great weekend, you know, wonderful people. And I consider it a great privilege to be with you. And um, I said something to Pastor Carl and Kanani, right like the first breath, the first comment, um, which you just weird to say this to a pastor when you first meet them, right? I, I, I said, um, "Whatever you do, don't tell me anything. <laughs> don't talk about your church don't talk about your staff, don't talk about your vision. Have you ever asked a pastor not to talk about his church? (laughs) Uh, They they go through internal combustion, you know. And so, um, but he was very, very uh, honoring of that. And um, I, I, right from the word go, I want to say to you that Uh, I don't know what kind of ministries you've had and I don't know what kind of people you've had through. I I promise you that um, I don't wear camel's hair and I I don't eat locusts, okay? Uh, um, But um, God's grace in my life is prophetic and I have learned over the years that to protect the integrity of what God wants to say it's necessary for me to learn as little as possible. And so when I was invited to come uh, here uh, for this weekend, I made sure that I found out nothing at all about you. And so um, I was in my office in Melbourne and I hadn't a clue. Sorry, I hope nobody gets offended now, but I I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't a clue who you were, all right? Uh, um, and so... That may be a curse relationally, but it's a blessing prophetically, because um, I just started with a pile of white paper, there's a reason for me telling you this, and just uh, my Bible and pile of white paper and just said, Father, when you're ready, uh, I'll hear whatever it is you want to say, and when I get there, I'll pass it on. So that's the way it's going to be. I'm not preach here to preach a classic message on grace or faith or all these great stuff, I'm really basically here just to pass on the mail. Is that all right? Okay, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, tonight for the joy, the privilege, the honor that it is to love you and to be loved by you in return. Father, these are your people. They're your sons. They're your daughters. Father, they're precious to you. And I pray that every thought, every word that I speak tonight, Father, and Sunday will accurately reflect your own hearts intention for them at this time. Father, I may know nothing of them, but you know everything. And Lord, you know every individual in this place tonight and you know their hearts. And Father, I pray that something of your word will not only speak to the corporate church and what you're saying to the corporate body here at this time, but, Father, every individual tonight will know how precious they really are to you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of our best friend, Holy Spirit, and that he will speak to us and commune with us tonight, Father, in Jesus' name and for your honour. Amen. Amen. Okay, well... When I began to just talk uh, to the Father and listen to Him and ask Him what He would like to say, uh, four words came into mind initially, Um, and I'm going to give you those four words and we're just going to keep on talking from that point. Is that okay? Okay. The first word that came to me was the word transition. And uh, it was like the Lord seemed to say to me that there had been an initial transition transition in the church that had been anticipated and seen quite clearly and embraced at the time but once that was embarked upon uh, it became actually the first phase of an ongoing thing it's like it was the first phase of a three-phase transition that had not been anticipated in the beginning. And I saw that the Lord had been doing some very significant things in this season in your midst in three specific areas. And God had been doing a work to prepare this church for a new mantle, a new authority, a new effectiveness that was going to bring about an increased impact on the communities that God had placed you among and I want to say, uh, I'll come back to this word in just a moment, but I want to say that transition I- is empowering and, I, and uh, if it's embraced. And transition is not the cancellation of yesterday. It's the preparation for tomorrow. A- and um, it was a, amazing to me to find out. This is about the only snippet of information that, I, that someone did kind of, whoops, you know, let out. And this is what I found out was that, I knew you were working through the book, An Incorruptible Heart, as a leadership, um, because my staff told me that you ordered hundreds of the jolly things. Um, So I figured that there was a a stack of you out there that have already done the book. Um, But I haven't personally read the book for a long, long time. And and so um, I was amazed to find out when I got here that... um, That unbeknown to me, sitting in Melbourne, Father is saying to me, transition. It's a time of transition. And then I get here, and I find that you're going through my book, and and that apparently within the the last couple of weeks or something, I don't know, recently, you did chapter 10. When was that? (laughs) <laughs> that's unbelievable, okay, so two weeks ago they 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 studied chapter ten, which just happens to be the chapter on transition so so let me get this straight okay you, i don 't even remember it's in the book, I wrote it, but there you go you know um and 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 they're studying it completely unbeknown to me that they're studying chapter 10 on transition I'm alone in my room in Melbourne and saying father what on earth do you want to say he says transition and so I have a sneaking suspicion that father's wanting to say something on transition would you say that I mean, how could you put that together? You couldn't. Okay, so I'll say a little bit more about transition in just a moment. But there were three other words that clearly came to me as I was waiting to hear. The second one was transformation. And I saw the the bringing uh, of transformation to society. I know nothing of your DNA or how you operate or anything like that at all. But I saw that it was Father's intention that there be a a result of an overflow of, of compassionate involvement by the members of this congregation in the areas of human need within society. And I saw a blend of strong apostolic uh, initiative, determined faith, but that was married together with this selfless mercy that would pour healing into the hearts of broken people in the community that were living in the shadows. And so I see that part of God's intention for you in the future is that part of your testimony will be that which they said of him. The common people heard him gladly. Why did the common people hear him gladly? Because he cared. And I believe transformation is going to take place in your communities in these islands because you care enough to get compassionately involved. Um, the third word was the word supernaturally. Uh, supernaturally, I just wrote it down. And then the Lord showed me that there was coming an increased awareness of the supernatural. And God's interventions on your behalf. And I saw that this would give you an unshakable faith and a conviction in the future that all things indeed could be done. That nothing was impossible. And I saw a faith and a resolve that simply would not take no for an answer. And I saw perseverance, I saw endurance, I saw determination, I saw an unrelenting faith to bring about supernaturally what could not be done humanly. And I believe that is to be part of your future DNA. Uh, um, And in fact, uh, it was so um, burdening me that I have totally changed what I was going to preach Sunday night. Whenever I have a, uh, uh, two services or two different messages to give, I'll be giving this one Sunday morning. But then when they said it was a Sunday night as well, I just, by sheer instinct, <laughs> uh, I just go straight to my king's message that I did the first session on the Wednesday. Were you there Wednesday? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, the first session. So I, I, I'm just already ready to do that. And, and it's probably the, the most impacting message the Lord's ever given me to preach. But do you know what? He completely overrode me. I said, but that's a great message, Father. He said, yeah, but it's not the one you're going to give. Uh, he said, I've got something to sew into the DNA, or the future DNA of this church. And so I want to speak on Sunday night, and I pray you'll all be there. We've scrubbed the yeast service. It's going to be open for everybody's service, okay? Well, we haven't scrubbed the yeast service, but you know what I mean. It's invitation for everybody because I believe God wants to speak on the subject of when, when, the war, when the gates are shut and barred. This is an amazing statement he made. He said, when the gates are shut and barred, God will bring down the walls. In other words, nothing's going to stop them. There's always a way. And I believe it will be a very empowering message that will put an incredible faith in you that God always has a way. He always has a way. I believe it would be a very empowering time together Sunday night. Okay, so supernaturally. The final word, the fourth word, was the word Renovation. Bearing in mind, I knew nothing of you whatsoever, and I didn't even know—I uh, didn't know how many people you had. I didn't know whether you met in a tent or an, or, or, or a public square. I hadn't a clue. So um, the fourth word was renovation, and I see the taking of of possession. Sorry, the uh, of possession of properties that there. I saw the renovation of properties. That's what I saw, both naturally and spiritually. In other words, the buildings will be renovated, but so too will the spiritual heritage associated with the buildings. You see, the word renovation means to restore, to make new again, uh, to reinvigorate, to refresh, to revive. And as I was thinking about that, I felt the Lord just speak to me and say that something of your original Heritage would know a moment of resurrection. Now, I'm not talking about recent past or f- a few chapters ago, but something, I don't know what it is, but something in the, and he kept, kept stressing to me, the original heritage would suddenly undergo a moment of resurrection and it would be quite a powerful moment. Um, now, having said all of that, I want to come back to this word transition because it is obvious to me that, um, and not knowing you at all, that this church is in a season of transition. Now, let me explain that to you. We have one of the most remarkable statements in Scripture in John sixteen seven. Jesus makes a statement which must have... It must have been mind boggling when he made this statement. He spoke to his disciples and he said this to them It's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come. Can you just imagine the shock of that on those disciples? They have just experienced three and a half years walking with Jesus, the dead are raised, miracles are happening, 5,000 men plus women and children are fed in one day. It's three and a half years of personal discipleship, amazing miracles, and, and, and then he comes out with this mouthful. It's actually to your advantage that this whole thing stopped. It's actually to your advantage that this season come to a close because I've got another season coming up. And it was he was saying that there's something even greater. I don't know about you, but I'd have got a shock. If I had been in personal discipleship with Jesus, huh? Walking the shores of Galilee, watching miracles and speaking. And I, well, I'd, have have been, I'd have liked to have been there myself because, you know, these things that we've got to wear and sound systems, you know, I see these silly little paintings of Jesus looking like some little <laughs> person and it's a load of absolute tripe. Can you just imagine it? The man spoke to something between fifteen and 20,000 people without a microphone. He must have a voice like a, Go for seven city blocks. It must have been amazing. Anyway, that was three and a half years, and you think to yourself, nothing could be better than that. Nothing could be better than that. And here's Jesus saying, well, actually, there is something better than that. And you see, he knew what was coming up in the book of Acts. He knew what was just around the corner. Friends, one of the greatest challenges in life it's not when God asks you to give up something harmful or bad or mediocre. But the real challenge is when he asks you to give up something or let go of something that has actually been amazing. That's been wonderful. That's absolutely fantastic. You think of, of Abraham in the era of the Chaldeans. The Bible says he was incredibly successful there. He was a wealthy man there. He, he was doing great there. It was a time of great blessing. And then God says, actually, I just want you to leave this season altogether. I, I, I want to take you into a, you've been bearing great fruit, but I want to take you into a time of extravagant fruitfulness. You see, it's, it, to, to give up, to let go of something that's incredibly good and blessed, that's really hard in order to get something that will be extravagantly blessed. And when Abraham did that, he, he didn't realize that between being amazingly blessed and extravagantly blessed and all that we know that came out of his life, there was a transition and that transition was a transition of the unfamiliar. He had to leave the familiar and he had to go through a time of the unfamiliar, through a time of shaking and controversy before he was able to inherit what God had promised him. You see, friends, above all else, transition is a time of change. Change. Transition is when we go from the familiar to the unknown, from the secure to the vulnerable. It's the reason why so many avoid it rather than embrace it because transition can be scary. Transition simply means uh, the, the letting go of one season or one understanding or one chapter and embracing another. It's, it's movement, like we let go of adolescence to embrace adulthood, a transition. Okay, but friends, transition is absolutely inevitable if we are to grow and fulfill our ultimate destiny, our ultimate potential. We cannot stay as we have been. And I have found, and I've been, uh, I'm, been preaching just on fifty years now, and that was a very good time for you to say, nah. no. Way. We'll try that again. I've actually, my eldest granddaughter is actually twenty-two. No. Oh. Right, right, right. Okay. You are redeemed, right. You see, friends, we do not have, we do not actually have the choice of transition. I can use for you, transition just comes. (laughs) It comes to all of us. It comes to us as individuals. It comes to marriages, to businesses, and it comes to churches. We do not have the choice of transition, but what we do have is the choice of how we respond to it. And so the choice of transition is not ours, but the choice of its consequence is ours. The, 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 the purpose of transition is to be a time of fresh birthing. A time of conceiving and bringing forth. But for that to take place, there has to be a travail attached to it. And in John 16, verse 21, I'm going to read it in just a moment. Because I am absolutely convinced, and there is no coincidence... I don't know whose pastors and who aren't, but I know that one is. <laughs> I've been looking at him a bit. Okay. Now, um, but the fra- truth of the matter is that it cannot be a coincidence that two weeks ago the leadership are studying this and I know nothing of it whatsoever. And this is what God puts on my heart to bring. This is, God is saying something. But John 16 21. You see, Jesus knows what's coming when he's speaking to the disciples, and he knows that the, and I know when even in worship, even just being here now, I can sense it, God is about to birth something. You're in a stage of almost ready to give birth. And something is happening in the midst. Now, here's the disciples uh, being faced with a transition. Three and a half years gloriously with Jesus. And now they're coming into the awesome book of Acts with all the supernatural of that. But you see, Jesus knew between that three and a half years and the birth of the church in the book of Acts, there was a transition. It was called the garden, the betrayal, and the cross. And Jesus, knowing that the God and the betrayal and the cross was coming nigh to them, speaks to them, and this is what he says. In John 16, 21, a woman giving birth to a child, talking about the church in the book of Acts, has pain because her time has come. By the way, friends, I stopped there for a moment because it leaps off the page to me, and I suddenly realized that the time has come. And friends, I don't know what I'm addressing right now in the church, but I'm telling you, the time has come. It's on God's calendar. It's not for another time. It's not for some future occasion. It is now, and you can't postpone it. It's now. And so uh, the time has come, and it says here, but when her baby is born, she forgets all the anguish because of the sheer joy that a child has been born into the world. And I want to declare to you tonight that you are pregnant with tomorrow's potential. But for there to be a birthing of it, there is always going to be that uncomfortable change in the body, that internal struggle, the travail, the transition that brings that body from the point of the conception of a vision to the birthing of vision. And the tragedy is so so many times there are people that are robbed of the promise because they fear the struggle that the birthing will bring. The need for change that confronts them in the body. And some people even abort the process altogether rather than face the need for change. You cannot have transition without change. And so they draw back from the transition that God intended and shelter themselves back in the familiar, the way things always used to be. Now, friends, if you do not embrace the season of transition and change, you'll never be available for the time of the fresh birth. And therefore, the vision and intention of God for tomorrow will be anchored backwards into yesterday. Transition is empowering, but only when it's embraced only when it's embraced. Well, what happens in transition? Oh, I, 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 look, I, I wish I had a message to preach tonight that was just, you know, happy clappy and everybody was skipping on the, two, on, the, on the pews and the aisles and we all could have fun. But the fact of the matter is that Father is saying something. This is a critical time in the journey of this local church. And t- transition actually tests the motives and the attitudes of the human heart. Because transition is often a time of shaking and question. Motives that have lain deep down inside are, are shaken often and brought to the surface. Transition is a time of fundamental change, and because it's a fundamental change, it can often be attached to controversy or contradiction. It can be a time when relationships become fragile and commitments become vulnerable. Why then would God ever allow it? I want to tell you why God allows shaking, why God allows transition, because he will reveal the hearts of men and women in a time of controversy. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 to 29, we learn exactly why God allows it. Let's, let's, oh, they've done it. Before I ask, it shall be. <laughs> That's pretty good. It almost feels like Genesis again. You know, he spoke and it was. Okay. He, Hebrews 12, verse 25. Might be a good idea if I actually found it. Right. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Okay, where we're heading verse 26. Here we go. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, not only the natural things, not only the physical things. You can see shaking all over the world today. Not only the earth going to get shaken, but also heaven. And more literally from the Greek, the heaven leaves. In other words, the spiritual issues, the spiritual world, the church. And God, God doesn't just shake the world, he shakes the church. But why would he? Well, he goes on. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made or man-made. So, what is shaken? What is removed in a time of shaking and transition? The things that were never born of God in the first place. Uh, Peoples whose hearts were never grounded in the eternal in the first place. And so, he goes on and he says here... uh, which, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain or literally may be revealed. And friends, I'll tell you something about times of controversy, be it in a marriage, a business, or a church. I'll tell you how to the true hearts of men and women are not seen in the glory times. They're seen in the shaking times. And I'll tell you what, that, you know, those who ha- have a wrongful motivation, they're seen. But I'll tell you something else. Th- those who have a heart that is gripped with loyalty and truth and godliness and submission and humility and all of those wonderful attributes, they come to the fore in In such a time. And they shine. And that's what the scripture is saying. And then he gives us the the purpose of the whole season. Verse 28. Therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Friends, the word kingdom is the Greek word "basileia," and its literal translation is the authority to rule over. And he's saying this, he's saying that I will give you an authority to rule over that will never ever be shaken. How am I going to give you such an authority to rule over what? To rule over principalities and powers. To rule over demonic wickedness. To rule over sickness. To rule over depression. To rule over poverty. To rule over the diseases of society. I will give my church an authority to rule over. But how will I get them there? I'll get them there by working on their hearts. Well how will I do that? I'll lead them through times of transition when things get shaken up here and shaken up there and the true hearts of men and women begin to rumble to the surface and in that time I'm some may get want to go someplace else but I'll tell you what those that God has put the vision in their heart those who God has worked something of the eternal on the inside they're going to stand up and they're going to shine and so and then He gives us two points of admonition. Now that he's explained why he's doing all that he's doing, he says, now be careful. And he says, let us have grace. Walk with grace. uh, uh, That we might serve the Lord acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And there's no chapter breaks in the original language. He goes straight in and says, and let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Continue, Friends, what did you say the key is in a time of challenge or transition? It's to walk with grace and let brotherly love continue. Love each other. Love each other, love your leadership, and love the commission that God has given to you. You see, my friends, listen to me. He knows, Father knows, that any that would weaken the unity of tomorrow would... also weaken the spiritual authority of the house and therefore sabotage the overall commission of God that he has planned for you. And so shaking is all about revealing of hearts of men and women. And he knows that the greater your unity, the greater your spiritual authority, the greater your spiritual authority, the greater the conquest and possession that he can give you. You see, can Hawaii be saved? You better believe it. There's not one demon in hell that doubts Hawaii can be saved. They don't need convincing. It's the church that needs convincing. But you know what? You'll never have more spiritual authority than your unity will allow. In uh, Exodus 17, I just inserted this one this morning. I was just worshiping worship and praying I spent most of the day in prayer today for tonight. And, and in Exodus 17... And I think they, got I'm going to do this creative thing again. Ah, yeah, good. Exodus 17, okay. And here's an amazing story because, um, and I do have it somewhere in my own Bible. I'm sure it's in the Bible because it's on the screen. Okay, Exodus 17. So Joshua did as Moses said to him. Can I just say right now friends that the, the authority you carry is determined by the authority you're under The authority you're under determines the authority you carry Joshua was an incredible warrior an incredible general but that was because of his relationship with Moses, and so Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, the senior leadership team, went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands, that the symbol of his authority, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. Friends, there were thousands. Of troops in that valley battling it out with steel, and yet one man on a hill, the position of his hands determined the whole war. That's got to be supernatural. That has got to be a spiritual thing. Paul said, "We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers." And so it was. Listen to this: when he let uh, Moses' hands became heavy. And so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And then Aaron and Hur, the leadership team, supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Friends, there were thousands battling it out. And Joshua was doing a great job, but you need to know something. that The battle was not won by the sword in the valley. It was won by the authority on the hill. If those hands came down, it was all over. And so what, the, the unity of that leadership team on the hill was what determined absolute victory regardless of the odds. Friends, spiritual authority and dominion relies upon the unity of the house and the unity of the leadership. That that to me is exciting because I'm sure you've got a great leadership team. And so there's no demon in hell that can ever, ever thwart God's purpose, God's destiny, and his commission to you as an individual or as a house. No demon has the power to do that. The only people that have the power to do that is the church itself. Now, I want to give you, I want to give you a parable because Jesus often spoke in parables, and uh, but he spoke in parables, of course, without a clock at the back of the wall, um, and um, that's okay. Now, for those of you that have been reading the book, please forgive me. Uh, you you know the parable and you've. Even had a cartoon, they told me, in the book. <laughs> well, there it goes. Someone slipped a cartoon in. I was probably sleeping when they did that. Okay. Now, I, but, but it be, I, I said to the Lord this morning, I said, Father, um, they read the book. They've, they know all about the parable. And he said, Yeah, well, a couple of hundred of them. All right, the rest of them. And not only that, but there's something about the parable. Of the caterpillar and the butterfly, that is very, very, very important to many of you tonight. I want you to think of a caterpillar. It's not just any caterpillar. It's a beautiful, fantastic. It's sort of caterpillar that you just stop and goggle at. Absolutely brilliant, beautiful thing. Bit like Hope Chapel, I guess. And then one day, one day that caterpillar gets a thought in its head. It says, you know what? I want to fly. I really want to fly. Now, caterpillars don't fly. I don't care. I want to fly. Be reasonable. I don't want to be reasonable. I want to fly. Give you a little more logical. Caterpillars crawl. They don't fly. I just Want to fly. Okay, so he decides he wants to fly. So what does he do? Does he suddenly mm, spread out some wings and leap off the branch? Well no, not really. He he, he latches onto the branch. Then he loses all of his colour. Then he shrivels up. And you anybody watching it would say, What on earth happened to the caterpillar? Well it's turned into a chrysalis. What happened to the gorgeous caterpillar? It's going into a time of transition but you know what? Something, some God-given instinct tells that caterpillar to embrace this moment, embrace this transition. Don't fight with it. Don't try to detach yourself. Don't try to keep crawling like all the good caterpillars do. No, there's something that's got to be possessed in this. And then at some incredible God-given moment with no urging from man whatsoever, something begins to happen inside the chrysalis, and there's all this movement going on. And you know, if you were watching it, you, if you had an of compassion, you'd say, will you look at the struggle going on inside of that Christmas? Hey, somebody get a little knife. Let, let's cut it open. Let the poor thing out. And if you did that, you would have bought the entire process. Why? Because it's the struggle itself that is birthing that incredible thing that is about to take place. You see, the final chapter in transition is the travail to bring forth birth. That travail is absolutely vital. It's what produces the new life. The season you have been through, either individually or corporately, is absolutely necessary. Why? Because it's birthing the new beginning that God has on his agenda. It's, you see, it's in transition that we cry out to God from a deep within, a greater intensity of prayer, a greater intensity of commitment, a greater intensity of unity, and, and, and it'd be a bigger struggle and the birth process but you know what wonder of wonders that a god-given moment no help from mankind whatsoever that chrysalis breaks open and that butterfly comes out and after a moment or two of drying itself in the sun it bursts out and it begins to fly and the vision that was birthed in the caterpillar becomes a reality why because it embraced its transition but you know something friends When I was just struggling about even telling you that, because so many of you knew it, I said, why am I giving it? And then the Lord just said this to me, because because a butterfly doesn't look anything like a caterpillar. It's a whole new species, but one did give birth to the other. And please hear me, transition and travail are not an indication of God's absence. They're a confirmation, a new day of promise is on its way, but it will be a season of change. Friends, we have to be willing to relinquish yesterday in order to have hands to reach out and embrace Tomorrow. If we react to the process, uh, the Lord showed me something one time. And it was so vivid, so powerful. He, he showed me um, His grace. And when I was going through a personal time, a difficult time once, and he said, my grace actually flows 24-7. It never stopped flowing. So for every season that you're in, in your personal life, in your marriage, or whatever I'm addressing now for each individual out there, whatever that challenge is, the Father showed me that there is a grace flowing from him that is more than sufficient for that moment. And it's twenty-four-seven and never stops flowing. But if you could imagine a funnel, you know that you pour petrol into a tank with a fun—is that what you call them here? Is it- I don't know what you call them here. Funnels, yeah. Okay. And, and well, it's thirty-five years since I preached on American soil, so I've forgotten. Okay. Now a funnel, and the Lord showed me that this funnel was over my life and, and he was pouring the grace into it, but halfway up was a valve and, and, and I saw sometimes the valve wide open and I was receiving incredible grace and then at times the valve was shut and, and, I, I, and, I, and, and I tell you right now, friends, there is nothing as cruel on this planet as a graceless transition when there's no grace. And I said, what makes a difference? And he says, oh, it's your attitudes that make a difference. What opens a valve? Good attitudes. What shuts the valve? Bad attitudes. And so as we respond Godward, we open the valve. As we react manward, we shut the valve. But friends, I want you to know something. There is a grace flowing from God that is incredible, and it's empowering for every single person. So I I don't know what some of you may have been through in times of transition or change in your life or marriage or business or church, but I know this that there is a grace from my Father that can empower you in that time and it was never meant to to destroy you. It was never meant to damage you. It was meant to burst something inside of you that would bring a season and a year and a future that's lying ahead of you that is so much greater than yesterday. Transition is all... Transition Transition is all about going from the heights that were achievable yesterday to the far greater heights that are achievable tomorrow. You're birthing a new day, a promise in this church. You're going from bearing fruit to going to bear extravagant fruit. Well, I like to say in Australia, I realize that you don't have any seasons here. You just have good and gooder. Um, but in Australia, we have things called seasons, you know, and and what I like to say is this, that that winter is not the cancellation of autumn or fall. It's the birthing of spring. Unless, Unless winter gets rid of the autumn, there is no opportunity for spring. You're entering a whole new era of conquest. And I want to say this to you, embrace your transition. Embrace your leadership and embrace each other. I would like you to bow your heads just for a moment, if you could, please. I don't want you thinking about anybody else. I don't need any music or anything like that. The Lord did a very strange thing to me this morning. He said, Look up that prophecy you gave in February 1997 to that church. I said, what? So I did. He said, because I want you to read it out to this congregation tonight. So I, I, I want you now to forget all about your brother and your sister and everybody else. And I want you to hear this in your heart. I want Father to talk to you as a person, individuals. Now, here's what it says. Hearken to my voice. For I'm raising up a people of power, a people whose countenance is strong because their heart is pure, a people whose faith is unwavering because their motivation is true, a people who will not allow their desire for individual gain to rob them of their inheritance in the corporate vision of my house. I raise up a people whose love for one another ...shall be fervent, whose loyalty shall be unshakable, whose selflessness of heart shall reflect my own example of servanthood. I raise up a people of passion, a people of prayer, a people of unconditional availability to my purpose, and I shall take this people and I shall raise up an army from whose hearts my own life shall shine. Say not that I am unworthy of that which God is now doing, for none are worthy of themselves, yet I have made them worthy by my grace. In this hour, the weak shall be made strong, the hopeless shall be given hope, the derelict shall be restored, and the timid shall roar like a lion, for this shall be the day of the transformation of men and women's hearts. And I shall, cause, I shall raise them up and they shall do exploits together because I shall cause them to become one, of one mind and one heart and one accord. I shall raise up my people of power. So tonight give me the softened clay of your fully surrendered heart and you can see what I can do for I shall do the work. I shall shape you, and I shall mold you, and I shall make you my people of power. Father, I just pray you'll just breathe into every heart right now with your divine intention. Father, in Jesus' name. In fact, just while we're in this attitude, we're just waiting on the Lord, just prayerful. If you feel God has been talking to you about any aspect tonight at all, And you feel in your heart, Father, that was, I just so needed to hear that, but I want to respond to it. You see, you can hear the word of the Lord and know that it is. But you have to believe it in your heart and then you have to act upon it. And so tonight, if you feel God is speaking with you in any of those areas and you just want to embrace what he's birthing in you for tomorrow, now, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Don't stand because many are. Stand only because in your heart of hearts, you know, Father, I needed that tonight. I, I, I recognize that you're saying this or that to me at some point, and I, I, I want to seal this right now. Just one more moment. Just one more moment. Because when you cross that line of unconditional availability, you're saying, Father, I will not only love you passionately, but I'll love my leadership passionately, and I'll love my brother and my sister passionately. We will stand together with one heart, one accord, in one place, and we will see birth, the new era that you're bringing us into. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take our hearts to you. We seal these decisions as covenants. and Father, I bind and I forbid uh, any intrusion, Father, from yesterday's disappointment or discouragement. Father, we, we cut off the accuser in Jesus' name. Father we declare a new hour a new day and we declare Father that there shall be Father new faith new hope new courage oh, new anticipation new expectation Father as the dream and vision that is in your heart gives birth fully within the heart of each one here Father and my God that this whole island and the islands that surround it will know that there's come a new wave of the spirit of God and my God that Jesus the miracle worker is alive and well in the midst of his people Father I commit this great church to you and I pray Father that they'll stand together in such a unity that my God nothing shall be withheld from them Father, we thank you that Hawaii shall be saved. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the Aloha Stadium shall be filled with a worshiping and celebration of God's people. Father, I thank you, Lord, that every heart in this place right now is critically important to you. Father, I pray that you send them their way tonight, Lord, encouraged and strengthened inspired and resolved and knowing above all Father, just how much you love them. Father, let them know tonight, Father, they go the way that they're not just saved going to glory, but oh, they're your sons and daughters now. Father, we give you alone the honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you as you're seated. Just. Just give me a couple of moments. Again, I, I, I know this sounds strange from a preacher, but, but I really, really, really urge you to try and be here Sunday night. It's gonna be very different to the message I preached today because this has been more or less a download of things I needed to get said and done. But I tell you what, Sunday night is going to be such a faith-building time so that you can walk out of here knowing that doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter the opposition. It doesn't matter who stands against what anything because our God is far greater and it will build faith in your heart. Um, I just want to uh, say that um, out there, um, for those of you that haven't been one of the 200 (laughs) uh, or 250, I don't know, there's a pack of them, Um, but um, if you haven't got a copy, there's only 10 copies left because the folks that Inspire took them all, Um, uh, but an incorruptible heart, and you'll find the first few pages of the book is just testimonies from apostolic leaders around the world today that have been using it powerfully, and I know your own church has been using it. I know Inspire has been using it, and I believe it can be a tremendous blessing to you. But um, but way, if they run out, as I know they will, um, and you don't get an actual copy like this in your hands, I've got incredibly good news for you, and that is that we've put it onto e-books, And so for the price of one hamburger, you can actually download it and read it to your heart's content, okay? And so I I just... Recommend that you do that. Our webs, By the way, on our website, there is just a host of stuff. I have a, quite a substantial ministry team and um, who are preaching all over the world and cities just like I do uh, under my fatherhood. And they produce these amazing articles and stuff, free stuff, and it's all available on our website. And you can just have a smorgasbord. It's great. Buffet, sorry. Um, and, uh, but that's also there as an ebook. You did what? There's only 10 copies of that left, but I want to say that really, that's all the audacious faith adventures of my life. Where if God hadn't come through, I would have been toast. You know, I I mean, just and the reason why it's called You Did What? Well, you'll answer that yourself because after every third or fourth page, you'll say, You did what? And so that's why we named it that, all right? But it will build your faith. Okay, almost through. If any of you are interested in the prophetic, we do a thing called over 13 study course that we do. Hundreds of people have attended it live. Helen Calder, an incredible teacher of in the prophetic. We combine together and uh, it's 13 sessions on everything from living a prophetic life on a day-to-day basis to the prophetic gift to the local church to uh, prophetic people relating to leadership to uh, the office of the prophet. In fact, just about anything you can think of on the subject of the prophetic life is on there on one USB. This one called the classics, well, this is amazing because what they did was they took 36 of the most impacting DVDs, Um, uh, uh, 24 of them were to do with Leaders of Destiny that I've done all over the world. The book that you've all been doing here called An Incorruptible Heart, that's a portion of Leaders of Destiny that was put in print. And so um, that Leaders of Destiny, thousands of pastors and leaders and emerging leaders have done that. Well, all 24 DVDs are on there. The reason why it's called the classics is because it was filmed... (laughs) Well, it was filmed about 20 years ago, and I had dark brown hair and a big, bushy, dark brown moustache, okay? And so, don't, and so when you watch it, don't say, that must be his son. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, it's me. All right. And also on there, we did a series called Overcomers, Born to Rule, Overcoming the Battlefield of Mind, Possessing Spiritual Authority in the Marketplace on a Day-to-Day Basis. There's eight DVDs on there as well for that. And then our marriage journey, Margaret and I have been interviewed in a big church in Australia by our son of everybody, anyway, on marriage. And so all of those DVDs are on there as well, plus two books are on there, there's hundreds of dollars worth of stuff and you can get it on one USB. All of that to say this, be empowered. You probably, do you know what the truth of the matter is? You are what you feed on. So a year from now, I know that you'll either be a faith-filled warrior on the front line or you'll look remarkably like a hamburger. Okay. Um, i 've got to go. The clock is gone beyond my point. Um, if any of you would like me to encourage you tomorrow morning and every morning and every evening on a daily basis for nothing that that can be arranged um, it's simply twitter okay i't I I, I, I now I know Twitter's something birds do in trees, but um the The fact of the matter is that I don't use it for promoting coffee or anything like that. It's simply to encourage, to stir, to strengthen, and it's sent out twice a day. And I really would love you to follow along and be empowered by that. The Lord bless you. Thank you for staying with me for so long. Okay.